In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Blessed Holy Week. I know today is such a long day, a day filled with so many things, filled with celebration, filled with our own funeral, filled with, of course, taking the body and blood of Jesus Christ, and then going from celebrating with palms and going around the church and, and screaming Hosanna a million times to coming tonight, the church dressed in black and, and screaming and crying out, thine is the power throughout the, to start the Holy Week. And so I mentioned it briefly this morning when we talk about Holy Week, that the week itself is holy, of course, because we're walking in the steps with Christ. But more importantly, it's our opportunity to be made holy when we participate in the life of Christ. When we go through the steps, when we participate in the life of the church this week, we have an opportunity to be made holy. And I know sometimes that word holy scares us. Like we all, when we say the word holy, our mind many times goes to certain people that we know that are very holy people. And we tend to think, oh no, those are very holy people. They're over there and I'm over here. But that's not how we should think about it. In that this week gives us an opportunity to die and to rise with Christ, to become holy. But it also has another name this week that is more commonly used, which is Bascha week. And I remember asking somebody, why is it called Bascha week? I was asking one of the youth. I was asking them, you know, are you excited for Bascha week? Yeah, why is it called Bascha week? They said, because there's a lot of Bascha's. And they were absolutely right. There is a lot, there are a lot of Bascha's. And it's morning and it's evening and it's, it's, it's all the time. And if you sit here and try to calculate how many hours from, let's say, Friday, last Friday to next Friday or Saturday night or Friday night or Saturday evening, you'll lose count. And there's a lot. But that's not why it's called Bascha week. The word Bascha, sometimes we ruin it because we only think of it as the Bascha hours. But the word itself means Passover. Passover. And it brings our mind, and this word has been used throughout the Bible from the very beginning to guide us and to lead us to what we're celebrating this week. And so, so the word Bascha means pass over or pass through, to pass over. And so as we are going through this week, that we ourselves are passing over and passing through. But what are we passing over? And this is what we need to, uh, to look deeper in. This concept was used when the Israelites, when the Israelites were enslaved in Egypt and they were under bondage and they were stuck and they were in 
they were slaves doing whatever they were told to do. And their life was very difficult. Their circumstances were very difficult. I mean, we can't even imagine what that must have looked like. That, the, the feeling of being slaves in a country and you have no control. Very, very difficult times. But what happened after that? That God sent Moses to them in order to help lead them into the promised land. And I can imagine the people back then are thinking, finally, God, thank you for hearing us. Thank you for accepting our prayers and getting us out of here. Thank you for saving us. And then they're going and they're starting their day and they're going and they're like, oh, I can't wait to get to the promised land. I can imagine the families and the different people are now thinking about, I can't wait. Once I get to the promised land, I'm going to do this, 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 and this. And I'm going to, you know, my tribe is going to be here and I'm going to celebrate with my family here and I'm going to do this and this. And they're, they're thinking about the promised land and their mind is on the promised land. And then they're going and then the Egyptians, Pharaoh and his armies are following them. And then they get to the Red Sea. At that point, you can imagine they forgot all about their dreams. They forgot, they put everything to the side. They said, okay, well, we're done. We're done. There's, there's a sea in front of us and behind us, people are trying to kill us. Imagine the stress that they were feeling. Imagine the feeling of hopelessness that they were feeling. There is no plan. There's no pathway. There's no way they can go around it. They couldn't fathom to swim through it. They were, they were done. But our Lord showed them. He took them from death into life through the Red Sea. He gave them a solution that did not exist. This, this wasn't an, even the words that we use in Midnight Praises in Tasbaha, we say that they walked on untrodden roads. These roads didn't exist, like no one walked on them before. The, the, the bottom of the ocean, no one walked on it before. And the ocean was split and gave them new life. And then what happened? They reached a point where they were hungry and they said, forget it, forget all our dreams. We're miserable again. And God sent them something that didn't make any sense, food from the sky. And it sustained them. And even before all of this, the angel of death that went around to all the houses, and this is where the word Passover began, where they, God told them, for you to be saved, put the blood of the lamb, get a lamb, an unblemished lamb, take it, take the blood of the lamb and put it around your doorpost. And the angel is going to see and pass over and bescha. And through that, we are saved. Now, why is this important? 
Because this is what this week is about. This week, this week is about us passing over from the bad habits that we're in, the struggles that we're in, the worries, the stress, the anxiety, the negativity, the bad friendships, the bad relationships, whatever it is, this is the week. This is the week that we decide enough. I want to be made holy. I want, I want to be transformed. There's a beautiful uh, prayer that the priest prays. We pray it every Sunday morning during matins. And we pray it on the feast days. And it's a beautiful litany that sometimes we, we say it quickly and we, but if we stop and listen to it, it's a very beautiful prayer. It's the litany of the oblations. And in it, we say, those who desire to offer to you but have none, and those who have offered these gifts to you this very day, give them the incorruptible instead of the corruptible, the heavenly instead of the earthly, and the eternal instead of the temporal. And so this idea God is saying, in front, putting it in front of us, saying, we have to choose which one you want. Do you want the incorruptible or do you want the corruptible? It's easy to say, obviously, give me the incorruptible. Give me the things that will not go bad. The things that won't get expired. Give me those. It's easy for us to say that when it comes to food, when it comes to items of clothing, whatever it is. We want the incorruptible. But, and these are the three things we're going to just briefly speak about. So, today's, in, in today's gospel, and actually the 11th uh, hour of Sunday, the mother of James and John, the sons of Zebedee, went up to Christ, and she sat it said she kneeled down at Christ's feet and asked for something. And you could see how Christ responds. He says, what do you wish? And she said, grant that these two sons of mine, one stands on your right and one stands on your left. Now, Christ could have answered in many ways. And it's interesting seeing a lot of the conversations that are happening with Christ and the disciples. And throughout the week, we're going to see this. And it's important for us to put ourselves in that situation to see what, what's going on. Christ could have just responded, Hadertant, I will see what I can do. And like, we'll, we'll, we'll take them and they can just follow me. They just can join my group. And... But he said something very specific. He says, you don't know what you're asking for. You don't know what you want. If we say we want the incorruptible, if we say we want the heavenly, if we say we want the eternal, be careful what you're asking for. In a good way, not in a bad way. Be careful meaning it requires an effort. It requires work. It requires us to change things in our life. He says... He responded saying, 
basically talking about the baptism that he will be baptized. And it was like a challenge. She, he, he told her, these are the things that you have to do. We see this a lot in the scriptures. We see this with the rich young ruler. We see this, we see this constantly of God just giving a breakdown. Okay, you want to come? Here's what you have to do. But many times, just like the rich young ruler, we're like, okay, this is too hard. I just wanted to just be around. I just want to be present. But if you want to transform, if you want to be made holy, there is, there are things we can do. The next thing is heavenly instead of the earthly. St. Paul speaks about this a lot. Especially in Colossians, he says, set our minds on things above. Set our minds on things above. Okay, but the response can be, okay, St. Paul, what about the things on the earth? We have so much to worry about. We have our school, we have our work, we have our friendships, we have our relationships, we have our payments, our bills, our... We have so much. What do you mean to just think about the earth, uh, the heavenly? Who's going to take care of the earthly? It's not a matter of forgetting about the earthly. When he's, when in this, when we say, uh, give them the, the heavenly instead of the earthly, it's not forget the earthly, but that our focus is not all on the earthly. Like this woman, this mom, who wanted, she didn't say, I want you to, you know, make them really, really great on earth. Can you please make them rich? Can you please give them whatever they want? No, she said, can you put them next to you, on, on one on your left, one on your right, in heaven? Where is our focus? And, and what does it mean to set our minds on things above? In the story, one of the last Gospels we read, something really strange happened. We followed the story well. The disciples, the people were asking, they were just talking and, and Christ stops them and says, who do they say that I am? And the disciples said, some say Elijah, some say some of the, one of the prophets, some say John the Baptist. Like, we don't know. People are saying different things. So Christ turns to them and says, okay, who do you say that I am? I don't care what everybody says. People say things all the time. But it doesn't matter what the people say. Who do you say that I am? And Peter very strongly says, you are Christ, son of the living God. Great answer. Great answer. And things are going great. Fantastic. And you could tell, like, Peter got the answer right, and he's happy, and he's moving on. Everything's good, going well. And then there was a discussion between the disciples. And Christ started talking about 
the upcoming events, started saying that the Son of Man will go through things, will, will die. And this is a very interesting verse. It says that Peter took him aside and rebuked him. Peter, the one who got the answer right, took him to the side, took Christ to the side. He says, okay, well, hold on, everybody. I just want to talk to you for a second. And he's like, what, what are you saying? What do you mean you're going you're gonna to leave us? What do you mean you're going to die? And he rebuked him. He rebuked Christ. And how did our Lord respond? Get behind me, Satan. But we see why he said that. It's very beautiful why he responded uh, in that way. He says there's a reason why there's a reason why that he responded this way. He wasn't, I, I don't believe that this was because of the rebuke, because of the conversation that he had with him. But he says, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. You're not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. You're focused on the things of the earth. And because of that, get behind me, Satan. Get behind me. You're, you're not with me. If you're not thinking about the heavenly, we're not on the same page. So now, what does that mean to think of the heavenly? What does it mean to think of the heavenly instead of the earth? Thinking of the heavenly means that my goal, my life, is in Christ. My life is with God. It's, it's, it's really interesting that we're talking about the heavenly instead of the earthly when starting earlier today, we closed the veil. The fathers of the church talk about the altar, the church being heaven on earth, that we're united into heaven. Once the veil is open, we're in heaven. We're no longer on earth. The saints are with us. We're here. We're praising. We're all here together with the saints. But Abuna, now we close the veil. The veil is closed. And we're not opening it for a long time. So what does that mean? How can I now focus like we're not, we're not, you're not giving me a chance to be in heaven anymore. That's, that's done on purpose. That in order to truly, truly experience heaven, we must prepare ourselves. That this week is the preparation. This week is the passing over for, our, for us to be transformed. For us to no longer live on earth, but to live in heaven. That's why we had the general funeral today. One of my biggest pet peeves is when we're discussing the general funeral as, oh, if you get, if you, this is for those who, just in case we die. Just in case we die. There's people who pass away all the time and we have funerals a month later, two, three weeks later. There was a situation in, in 2020 that the funeral happened after the Arba'in. 
So it's not, we have the technology, thank God, to, to, to postpone. So it's not a matter of this. If God forbid anybody passes this week, we have the potential of postponing. So then why, why are we all thinking about or, or waiting for this water? Why is this general funeral? This general funeral is not just in case we die. This general funeral is because we are dying. We, are, we all attended our funeral this morning. We're all, we all attended our funeral. We all, we all celebrated our funeral. And we all experienced death. We all experienced death in order for us to be transformed. In order for us to be risen. If we, if we, did, if we didn't experience death today, if we don't put the black, if we don't cut our social media, this week, I'm not going to say delete accounts and I'm not going to say how, how many hours and how much screen time and how much TV and uh, none of that. You, you decide. This week is about what you put into it. Do you want to live on hev in heaven this week or in earth? We've been living on earth constantly. Let's try something new. This week, let's try to live in heaven. Let's cut our daily intake of the earthly and increase the intake of the heavenly. And the church helps us, like we talked about. We have church all the time, all the time. Even within, even within the baskas, uh, there's stuff for us to do. Like imagine that. The church even says, okay, the baskas in the, there's a baska in the morning from 10 to 1, and Basra in the evening from six to nine, but in between each day, there's a specific gospel to, to read, the full, the full gospel. So you can do that. Like there's so much, there's the learning of the hymns, there's, a, there's so much for us to do this week because this week we're not living on earth anymore. We're truly aiming to live in heaven. Lastly, the, in, the eternal instead of the temporal. And many of these words are very connected, right? That's why it's back to back to back in the prayer. And they're all like, in heaven, we're living incorruptibly. And then also for eternity. So they're all connected. But, the, but it wasn't enough to just put one. The fathers put the three for a reason. Eternal means that we're not living for today. We're not, we're not focused on the now. We're focused on the heavenly, the, earth, the, the eternal, later on. And that's why we use the word everlasting life or eternal life. That eternal life, though, does not start when we die. Another misconception. It does not start when we die. Eternal life starts today. Today, the Matins Gospel, after we read all, after we did the procession for the for the feast of Palm Sunday, we read a Matins Gospel from here, and that Matins Gospel was the Gospel of Zacchaeus. That our Lord went to Zacchaeus and said, "Today, today, 
What? Salvation will come to your house. Today. Does that mean does that mean that he was going to die that day? No. We don't think about we can't think about salvation as something in the future. Salvation is today. And it's beautiful that this gospel was read today with all the events that were happening, with all the all the the, the stuff that we celebrated and, and we experienced and participated in today, that today salvation is in our life. Today we have the, the opportunity to go through this salvation, that we have this everlasting life. But it requires effort on our end. Our Lord gives us the opportunity. Our, our Lord is waiting for us at the cross. But it's up to us to be able to be vulnerable with ourselves, to really be honest with ourselves and say, I need to change this sin. I need to work on this habit. I need to fix this. I need to stop doing this. I need to stop being friends with this person. I need to do, I need to get better at this. I need to read my Bible more. I need to start reading my Bible, period. And all of these things give us a pathway in order for us to truly experience salvation now and eternal life now and the heavenly life now and the incorruptible life now. In the first hour of the eve of Monday in the gospel uh, uh, from St. John chapter 12, it says, he who loves his life will lose it. And he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. This isn't to say the same when we use that expression and say, Abuna, I hate my life. My life is the worst. I am miserable. This is... No, no, no. That's not what he says. That's not what he means by hating your life. It means to hate the things of this life. To want something more. To want something deeper. To want the heavenly. Because this life is temporal. This life is temporary. So I pray that this week is a week of transformation, a week that we can go from earthly to heavenly, a week we can go from temporal to eternal, from corruptible to incorruptible, that we can say that we're starting or we are experiencing our salvation. I pray that we're able to put the black in our own home, that we truly act as if we did die today, die to the world, so that we may rise up with him uh, for the Feast of the Resurrection, and glory be to God forever. Amen.